Hello, hello. Okay, so we are back for another episode. Um, this one might be a little bit of a longer one. I'm not quite sure, but I have a lot of interesting things that I'm um, really excited to talk about. Um, I'm actually going to be addressing some things that I think, um, you know, a lot of people might have been uh, waiting for um, me to address. So I'm going to start this off by talking about um, the difference essentially between idealism and realism, right? So um, when we talk about idealism, we're talking about um, people who are interested in pursuing ideals. And sometimes um, these are things that are good uh, in theory, but in terms of practice, like in terms of implementation, they're not that great. And they might be deemed unrealistic. That's why, um, for this exam, uh, for this episode rather, I am going to oppose idealism to realism, which um, we can define realism as rather as opposed to idealism. It's a rejection of ideals that sound um, nice in theory, uh, but they're you know not great in practice, right? So a big thing about me, if you know me, especially if you know me personally. Um, I'm a pretty big realist. I don't, um, you know, I like to kind of just, and I think that's a great thing to have as a character trait for a scientist. And, um, as I've mentioned before, um, that is mainly what I do science, right? Um, and you know, science, yes. Um, you know, I, I did, um, in college, I did study neuroscience. So it's like, okay, well, you can't get really much more science than that. It has it in the name, but even some, uh, disciplines that we don't traditionally think of as science have are either soft sciences or they have um, a pretty uh, strong foundational, um, I guess, a, a big uh, foundation that is science. Like, for example, linguistics, right? Um, a lot of the time, you know, when I, um, that's another, um, you know, thing that I studied, um, got my BA in French uh, linguistics. Um, and when I told my family that a lot of people had, they didn't quite know, um, what that was. And I, and, um, it, I was like, okay, well, um, it's essentially like the science of language, right? So when I, um, had to do projects for linguistics and do research and such, um, I would apply some of the thinking, um, that I would do in maybe my neuroscience courses or neuroscience lab uh, and stuff. I would apply that to linguistics and it worked so well. And let me tell you, if you read, I was just um, reading some linguistic um, literature. It's so hard. Those studies and the stuff that they talk about is really um you know, very, um, a science, you know, employing the, the scientific method, like any, um, you know, that's like the, one of the initial things that they teach us. Right. And so, um, I really like that. I really like kind of like looking at things kind of like objectively and, um, and that's a big part of science. It's like, okay, well you have results. And even if the results are not what you intended, you still have to kind of like report your results. You do have the option to draw conclusions based on those results. And that's where it can get a little bit of, um, variable, but at the same time, um, it is a largely, um, I would say objective, um, discipline, right? And so a lot of people I feel like who don't have that background, they're maybe not in the realm of science or STEM in general that tends to be a little bit more objective. They, ha they have trouble with um, 
you know, realism, right? They have trouble with um, essentially, uh, I guess you could say they 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 want um, things to be in this very ideal kind of cookie cutter way when unfortunately it's not that. And that's kind of how I got um, into um, a bit of, I, I wouldn't even call it a, like really an argument because it wasn't really people. Um, well, yeah, I mean, some of it was. There were some people who were just um, not very, um, they didn't really have a case. They were just there to um, make noise. Um, but I got into an argument regarding the status of Louisiana Creole, which uh, inevitably um, ended in me getting dismissed, right? And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more um, later on in the episode. But um, essentially, a lot of people um, there are a lot of people who believe that Louisiana Creole is a language that is thriving and that it will it's in full force and you know um however i i i think that is a very kind of emotional based um idealistic um sort of view in regards to the language and what do i mean by that i mean that you and your heart because you are a creole i think we all like ideally i wish i could walk down you know the street in new orleans or even anywhere in louisiana and just randomly hear people speaking creole um but uh, unfortunately what are the chances of that no it's not going to happen and i you know i i'm limited because i'm not there now but i have people who live in some of the most creole parts of louisiana who say they never hear creole when they're walking down the streets in their very creole town um and i would argue that where i'm from in new york i am more likely to hear creole walking around my hometown because we have such a haitian presence and creole is so central and so alive and and vibrant in the haitian population that you that is how people tend to express themselves that's how they tend to communicate and so when i was growing up in my town i would just hear creole I was in New York, what, uh, maybe um, about two weeks ago, and guess what I heard? I heard someone speaking Creole. Do you think that person was from Louisiana? Well, I could tell you as a linguist, um, I analyzed, you know, the Creole, and it was not Louisiana Creole. It was more so Haitian Creole, okay? Um, which is a lot more likely um, to be heard, right? And so I kind of have this very objective you know i'm looking at the data right um and and so i really don't find it to be much of um i i think that if you are going you can have um what we call like evidence-based opinions right and um okay so an evidence-based opinion would be like you know maybe people have different versions of what they call language death and what they call um quote quote a dying language to be that is um you know difficult to kind of like maybe like put into like objective terms and maybe in like it's difficult to maybe um i don't know like there's not like uh or maybe there is um but it tend I, from what i've read it's a little bit of a Eh, situation right so even though that's a little bit of an opinion you could have evidence based like for example if you are going to try to um, support 
uh, a claim that Louisiana Creole is not dying, that would mean that you would have to have evidence to support that. Um, what is it? And and the you know, you saying, oh, I know people who speak Creole. Unfortunately, um, it's not evidence. Okay, uh, you you might know someone who. Um, you know, let's just say you live in a community that speaks, I don't know, like what, um, you, you live in a community that, um, speaks Rodriguean Creole, right? And so everybody kind of like in your town speaks it. So you might just say like, wow, this is a really popular language. Cause like, look, I know so many people who speak it. Everybody around me speaks it, but if we that's but but you're kind of like in a, a bubble and you don't really you're not really looking outside of the bubble and you don't quite know what is going on outside of the bubble and that's what i try to tell a lot of these um people in louisiana especially many of them have never um lived outside of louisiana especially the ones in the southwest where t typically um you know the it's a little bit more creole there um and so definitely if you are in the southwest of louisiana if you've lived there especially your whole life you probably do know a number of individuals who speak creole um and that might make you think that a lot of people speak creole but guess what the minute you step out of the southwest louisiana i promise you you will not hear louisiana creole um you might but it's not going to be in significant um quantity right and so uh one one thing that i really like about being a scientists and studying science and stuff like that it's it's uh, science is really research heavy right and a lot of disciplines um are you know i would say research heavy as well and you know interestingly that is becoming the new thing uh for people who are getting into medicine because we're realizing that there has been sort of like uh it's been a little bit tricky because there are um, in the past you didn't really need to have a research background to go into the medical field you could just you know do it but they're realizing that wait a minute uh if the person has a research background they're gonna perform what we call evidence-based medicine and that's like saying like okay well, you're gonna base how you practice the drugs you prescribe whatever you do as a medical doctor you're going to base it off of um you know uh, studies that have been conducted and that have been um you know like maybe the drug has undergone like clinical trials for example you can't just say like oh yeah i had three patients and it all worked for them so i'm going to prescribe this drug for everyone because maybe those three patients were very similar maybe phys on a physiological level they were very similar such that they maybe did not uh, you know, exhibit an adverse reaction to the drug, um, or maybe they just tolerated it well. Maybe it just, you know, um, worked for them for another reason. Um, but when you do evidence-based medicine, you're able to really see like, okay, is this really a good um, way of practicing medicine? Is this really going to work? And that's kind of like, uh, I would find uh, to, uh, that to be a really realistic approach. It's a very objective approach, right? And so um, a big thing when I was in college, I actually did research on Louisiana Creole. Um, a lot of people, um, so like I say, like I'm not, yes, I am of Louisiana Creole descent. Um, I've always known that. I grew up, you know, hearing that. Um, but when I got older, I uh, and I went off to college. I 
um, started to study it formally. So not just learning about what I heard from grandma or, or aunt or cousin uh, or my own eyes uh, being in a Creole family. I, I began to look at, okay, what are the data? Okay, these are people who are professionals who are collecting certain data regarding the status of the Creole language, regarding the status of, Cre uh, you know, regarding anything, regarding, um, you know, Louisiana Creoles as an ethnic group and stuff like that, right? So the people who are doing the research and actually are trained and know how to do it, these are the individuals who we need to look toward. They are uh, they are more informed than I am and certainly more informed than, you know, individuals who just randomly grew up in Louisiana and never stepped foot in a college course in their life. Okay, um, and I'm not saying that just because you grew up, uh, you know, among amongst a culture or somewhere that you know nothing, it's just certain things you're you can't um, you, you don't really you can't do. Like for example, you can't really determine the status of a language just from like living there. Maybe you'll be able to provide some anecdotal um, evidence or something like that because you're there, you experience that, and definitely researchers. Um, really take that into consideration, okay? Um, but you um, also have to realize that these people know what they're doing. I've heard people say like, oh, you know, a lot of people think a lot of people don't speak uh, Creole or French in Louisiana because they're going off of census and people lie on censuses. Um, okay, so if you said that, I would ask you, why what is their motivation to lie like for it to be that that much like that significant to skew the data you would need a significant proportion of these individuals who are answering the census questions to deny their knowledge or deny knowledge of creole and or french right and so for that to just randomly happen, you would have to like have like a reason, and you might say, "Okay, well, it's stigmatized." Well, okay, it might have been stigmatized in the past, but is it still t stigmatized now? A little bit, okay. But also, you have to realize that, um, and I've read a lot of these, um, you know, studies and how they actually collect their data. They're not solely basing their conclusions on census data i can tell you that they're actually doing what we call field work so when you see the dr so-and-so and dr so-and-so publishing a paper they didn't just like sit in an office and read like census data they explained if you actually have access to the literature and can read it and read through the methodology they are actually going into louisiana visiting people in their homes visiting people here and there and asking people like okay this person who knows that person who knows that person and etc they are getting that information and that's how they're collecting their data um they're actually there and they're looking around and they kind of know what to look for that's part of being trained as a good researcher you are going to anticipate that people will be hesitant to maybe um speak creole with you or admit to speaking creole and or french so you are going to prepare for that and know how to kind of get around that you know these people People, they don't have doctor in front of their name for nothing. They didn't go to school for, you know, uh, I don't know, like all these years in higher education, like what, 10 years and stuff like that almost to just not know what they're doing. And I'm not saying that every study is great. That's one thing you also learn um, in science. You learn that every study is not great. Some of them are definitely flawed. But here's the thing. Like I said, 
I, because I have the science background, I can, I know how to critically analyze a scientific um, study and determine uh, uh, if it is good or bad. How, I mean, I do that in my graduate studies right now. That was literally assignments that we had to do uh, for some of my courses like a few months ago. Okay. But do you know how to do it? So like, if you're going to try to discredit their studies, if you're going to try to go against a professional, you have to have very strong evidence. And if you don't have all of that evidence to discredit their work, unfortunately, you cannot do that. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, it is a natural tendency to go based on feelings. That's the idealism, you know, um, that, um, a lot of people, um, are, you know, um, I guess ascribed to, um, that's going to make them want to say like, oh, well, this data makes me sad, so it must be false. And I'm like, no, unfortunately, science doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't. I don't know what to tell you, but it just doesn't. And so when I kind of, me as, you know, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell you like, okay, Louisiana Creole is dying. And you may say, well, what evidence do I have for that? Well, simply go in any sort of, um, article i was reading um, going over this article with my students um i think a couple of weeks ago where we read um a 2023 report of the of the um status of french and creole in louisiana and if you count both of them like um maybe like everybody who speaks creole and everybody who speaks french you're maybe going to get about a total of two to three percent of the entire population of louisiana aka basically not many i mean do you know percents like two to three is not a lot okay um so you could argue that that is an insig insignificant proportion um i i would say as long as it's above one percent um it's something um so we do definitely have uh but i would ask you know um what are we considering as a speaker um how fluent are these individuals but regardless um that is the best you know, even um, I believe the article said even high estimates, you're not going to get more than 5%, right? And that's being like, you know, like, like being loose about it. If you count in as many people as you can, okay? Um, and then they talked about the uh, fact that um, that um, the, the interesting thing is that at one point, um, Louisiana had a bunch of people who were speaking Creole and or French. If we look at like 1970, for example, I think they reported a million, a million. Okay. Even when the total population of Louisiana was a lot, you know, lower back then, they still had like a million but, uh, speakers of either Creole or French. But now that number is sitting at maybe a hundred K to 300 K. So we're seeing a big, big drop. And guess what? You know, uh, in science, if we wanted to describe the death of an organism, you could say, okay, or even, you know, make it simple, a death of an organ. If you have rapid cellular death and there's not enough, um, you know, new cell growth to kind of match and outcompete that death, you're going to have more death than birth. And that means that guess what? the organ is going to probably die. That's kind of how, just how it works. Um, and so when I'm seeing, and I'm looking at this data that's showing that in the past few decades, 
there have been consistently fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer speakers of Louisiana Creole and also Louisiana French. That is indicative of not full, complete death right now, but it is indicative of a dying language, okay? Um, that's just, I, I don't know how to put that any other way, right? And also, you know, I, I bring up this interesting concept that I was um, sharing with some of my friends uh, of like, you know, kind of like functionality. Um, and I know some people, I don't remember his name, um, but um, like there's like the functionalist theory of sociology, right? Um, and, you know, it really discussed like, okay, what is, what is the role of something or someone in a society, right? And for me, I kind of um, went off of that and I said, okay, for... Um, a language to survive it has to have like a functional purpose right like for example with English right um, English is um, and survival could be on a personal level or on a more macro level so like for me English is going to survive for me because that's the only way I could talk to my family like in English so it's not like oh like randomly I'm gonna find that English has no function for me if we go on a more macro level and look at like the United States right English is the sole language that many Americans speak. So it is impossible to say that English would be dying in the US because that is the only mode of communication, that's the only means of communication for many of the people, okay? Similarly, we're not going to see that Creole will cease to exist anytime shortly in Haiti, for example, because Haiti, guess what? Uh, Creole is the only language that many Haitians speak, and it is the only language that even more Haitians speak very well, okay? And that is the language that they speak to their, their families in, you know what I mean? And that that's just that. And so when you talk, when you take that idea of function in Louisiana, um, one thing that I, I posed to my friends, if we wanted to look um, at the function, ask yourself, if I don't speak Creole, what could I not do in Louisiana? If I do not speak Creole, what can I not do right now in Louisiana? For some people on a personal level, it might, you know, that that question might be answered a bit differently. Maybe for some people in Louisiana right now, they have a parent or a grandparent who only speaks Creole. I'm going to say, if you're listening to that and that is you, talk to me because the data suggests that there are no more Creole monolinguals. Um, but if you are, if you know, speak to me because I'd have a few phone calls to make and that would be very interesting. But if that were the case, um, let's just say a lot of people in Louisiana, all of their maybe parents and or grandparents, depending on how old you are, only spoke Creole. Then I would say, well, Creole definitely is not going to die because people are constant. They need to. And if they you remove that language, they're not going to be able to talk to their family. Or maybe let's just say um, as a situation where like all church services in Louisiana were conducted in Creole. If that were the case, that's a function. Like Creole has a, like a, it would have that function. Just like in Haiti, a lot of people um, for church, they do their church in French. I mean, obviously there are some churches that um, conduct services and, and they, um, you know, like 
read the Bible and I guess and whatnot in in Haitian uh, Creole. But a lot of them are actually going to be reading in French. Uh, maybe even in some cases the uh, what do you call it the um, pastor, um, you know, or whoever is going to be speaking in French. So that's a role that's going to keep French in Haiti for boom 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 for times to for time to come right it's not going to disappear because there's a role louisiana creole it's almost like this heritage sort of language in louisiana where people speak it now but is it is it that there are people who only speak it is it that there are people who speak creole and no other language um is you know that those are important questions to think about and to ask yourself when you're trying to talk about whether or not um a language is going to continue to exist or not right um and that's that's part of the realism okay that's part of the realism and the the thing is that according um to some studies I believe it was one of um, oh gosh I think it was an article done by Kalinger and um, uh, what's her name that's so bad I'm sorry I, I'm not like me and names are just not really the best so I'm totally blanking on um, who else was on it but um, some colleagues, uh, Creole scholars, they were saying that they found no evidence of Creole uh, monolingualism, which means that they went around um, and they they just in their based on their studies they they say there are no more people who only speak Creole and know zero English, zero other languages. Okay. Um, also, what they found is that there are statistically insignificant amounts of uh, the youngest generation who speak Louisiana Creole as a native tongue. What does that mean? Um, if you go and you look at Gen Z, not even Gen Z, we're on Gen Alpha now. The, the, the people who were um, um, born in like, uh, when does Gen Alpha start? 2010, I think? Uh, something like that. Do you know anybody who was in Gen Alpha, who was born 2010 or later who speaks creole not any creole but louisiana creole fluently if you do let me know okay and i don't mean can spring together little bits of words and stuff for a camera i mean like literally can express themselves uh well and you know kind of like in a non-choppy way in creole um probably you're gonna find damn near zero not gonna lie to you um according to the literature that i've read they even have not found gen z people who have in significant numbers who have a command of the creole language um that would be uh, on a level of native and see this is where the people who are not don't who are not really that good in statistics have trouble because then they're going to say oh i speak creole oh i have uh, eight friends who speak creole okay great 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 um but the thing is we are talking about when when we talk about statistics and what is statistically significant 
we're saying, okay, if you count everybody who's in Gen Z, every single person in Louisiana who is Gen Z, how many of the, that population do you think will not only know Creole, but know it as a like first language? What do you think that number is going to look like? Do you think it's going to be a big number or a small number? I could tell you, it's based on the research, it's likely going to be a very, very small number. And that is also indicative of language depth when there are, um, when there are a very small number of young people um, who uh, speak the, um, the Creole language, right? And, you know, what's interesting is that that, I think, is kind of, um, um, you know, we're, we're not really seeing that. Well, we are maybe perhaps seeing that in other places. Trinidad, um, you know, Creole was once spoken in other uh, areas that had connections to the uh, French, maybe even Grenada, uh, St. Vincent and stuff like that. OK, um, where you see kind of just full on language death. Another kind of like minor, more minor form of language death could excuse me, could be uh, decreolization. Decreolization is the process where the Creole language, essentially to put it in simple terms, like becomes more like the, the um, how do I say this in a non-complicated um, way? Uh, the, lang- the Creole language becomes kind of like the mother, the quote-unquote mother language. Like for Louisiana Creole, the mother language would be French, okay? Um, for Jamaican Creole, the mother language would be English. Decreolization is when the uh, language loses the Creole features and becomes more like that mother language. Is that going on in Louisiana? Um, yes, I just read an article from, um, um, oh gosh, I forgot. Um, I think it was maybe Dr. Smith. Oh no, not, not, yeah, maybe Dr. Smith. Um, but don't quote me on that, but it was, um, talking about how in Louisiana Creole, even this was published back in the nineties. And even back then they saw elements of decreolization. Um, and that, I mean, it could be a lot of things like, uh, for example, um, we see decreolization, like in traditionally in Creole, a lot of different Creoles, you're supposed to say things like, like if you wanted to say the street. Uh, it would be Laria, 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 where the determiner or the way how you say the is ah. But a lot of people have been moving toward saying la, like Lari la. And you will hear that in like Guadalupe and stuff like that, okay? Um, Or, you know, maybe you say Timunon, which would be like the kid, Timunon. And instead of saying Timunon, you hear people saying Timunla. So all these ways how to say the, it's typically about five, um, are becoming la, which is, it's not, um, the structure is still not that of French. The the structure and the syntax is still a, a Creole, um, you know, a Creole, but it is basically you're losing vocabulary that is Creole, right? Um, we see this in English, um, in the, uh, speakers of English Creole, right? Um, like for example, in a lot of English Creoles, uh, to say eat is nyam, but 
a lot of people instead when they're speaking English Creole, instead of saying yam, they'll say eat. Um, so you see what I mean by moving closer to the mother language. Or um, what is another one? I mean, there's so many, um, even in terms of like pronunciation and stuff like that. That's a that's definitely um, a thing. Okay. Uh, where the pronunciation, uh, like for example, in some of the literature I read on Louisiana Creole, um, there have been people saying, um, oh gosh, let me think about this. Um, and okay, there's a, a vowel that is, uh, and, and typically in Creole it's supposed to be ah. So, um, um, that is something like, you know, and st- people might be tempted to say for sister, they might say moser uh, or ser moins instead of really it's supposed to be moser or ser moins. Ser moins would be the best, honestly. Okay. Um, another, you know, in the article I was reading, also they mentioned um, decriolization in the terms of like adding de, so like uh, or a to things like um, like, and that's a that's something that um, you know almost kind of goes on in the Caribbean as well. Uh, so it's happening in the Caribbean as well as in Louisiana, where instead of saying like. Uh, how would I say this? Like, okay, so instead of saying like "c'est moi," you say "c'est un moi." So it's almost like the approaching the French "sœur à moi," and you have to, you know, that's kind of like the best example that I can give you. Um, and instead of saying, like, I'm trying to say, what 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 is an example where you you take out the "de"? Uh, you could say like, um, anything like, um, I, I really can't think of an example with that right now, but in, it's essentially in Creole, you don't say de. First of all, the sound e is not traditionally in Creole. That is a very French sound. The e, um, that vowel, uh, that phonetic vowel does not exist traditionally in Creole, but we are seeing that a lot more Creole speakers are starting to say, um, a sound like that. Okay. Um, okay, so that's kind of like, you know, what I mean. So we have not only decreolization going on in Louisiana, but flat on, uh, flat out, uh, language death. Okay. Um, so, um, I, I, I did want to mention that, um, there was another issue that was very interesting that, um, more recently occurred to me um, where I was um, dismissed um, from a Creole uh, group um, for something that I find to be irrelevant, okay? Um, And, you know, it was uh, alleged that I had um, made transphobic comments, um, and I did. Um, And I do admit now that it was inappropriate to um they were i would not say they were transphobic let me take that back they were comments that were opposing 
um, you know, transgenderism. And I probably, I think it wasn't appropriate to make this comments from my professional account, okay? Um, however, the situation, to give you a little bit um, a backstory, um, we have had, we had an individual who um, uh, was essentially trying and has um, done things in the past to try to act or present himself as a proponent or a, a sort of spokesperson for the Creole culture, right? And, you know, he was promoting um, something that alleged um, uh, for the gender um, affirming surgery of minors. And I thought that was not, it was, it was weird coming from a page that is like at the same time, at times trying to act as, you know, like a, I don't know, like a professional, like spokesperson type of page for Creole. But like, so I'm saying essentially, if you want to post that on your personal page, that that's fine. But if you're trying to make your personal page like into this sort of like, oh, like, you know, um, I'm going to be like this representative and your your whole like username has like Creole this and all of that. And you're trying to represent the Creole community. It's just not I don't know what that has to do with Creole. Like if your username is kind of like implicating that you have a professional account, like I would never do that on mine. Like even if I'm like, you know, in favor of that, I wouldn't like post that on my professional account because that has nothing to do with um, Creole. And that's essentially what I said. And um you know, I think some people got into a hissy fit about it, um, which, I mean, everybody is entitled to, you know, react how they want, but it's kind of like, you see, it actually relates to my theme of realism, right, and idealism, where a lot of people who are, you know, these, um, I guess, what do you want to call them, far left people in the Creole community, um, some of them are, you know, big names even, like professors and such, um, in an ideal world, they want, um, you know, to kind of merge their interests where they're, they're going to want like somehow, and they're writing about it. And that's kind of like, I think, you know, the whole like intersectionality thing. It's like, okay, well, you're talking about the Creole experience and then you're trying to merge it with the transgender experience. And my view is I have no idea how they relate. Okay. I'm not saying they have absolutely nothing to do with each other, but I, I think that should be reserved for specific um, events or specific um, whatever that directly involve, you know, that subject, because I would say like on the surface, that is not like, what does that have to do with Creole culture as a whole? You know, and that's kind of my viewpoint. Like, if we're thinking about it, well, like, how many Creoles, or Louisiana Creoles in particular, are transgender? Okay. Um, are you going to get a, a percent that's a big number? Probably not. That goes back to the objectivity. It's like, okay, well, you want to be definitely, and, you know, definitely inclusive. Yes. Nobody is saying, and I'm definitely not um, proposing that um, somebody who is transgender cannot be Creole. Um, no, that's ridiculous. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of misinterpreted what I was saying as, but that's definitely not what was, um, what was, um, said. Okay. I'm just saying that you don't have to try to kind of, um, I guess force or like interject 
that agenda into every discussion that has to do with Creole studies or, you know, la creophonie or whatever, you know, because I don't, I don't think there's that much of a connection. Does that make sense? Right. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, a lot of these individuals are focusing kind of on, you know, a lot of like American politics instead of focusing on maybe connecting with the rest of the Creole world. And, and that's the thing. These individuals who are, um, you know, um, wanting to talk about intersectionality, which I think is a um, great topic in its, in its space, you know, um, that I've talked about intersectionality before in some of my uh, writings, um, you know, and uh, also maybe in some of some of these podcast episodes. It's great, and it, but it's kind of like at the same time, you know, a bigger issue or or is maybe figuring out like what to do about the situation of like you know Creole in Louisiana because a lot of people are sitting up here ta- saying, "Oh, I'm Creole, I'm Creole." They can't even say three sentences in a row in Creole. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to read one book in Creole. And now I know Creole. They know two and a half words. And it's like, okay, well, good. I checked off that box. I know some Creole. Okay, I'm relieved. And I'm like, no, like you have to actually like, I'm not saying you have to speak Creole to be necessarily a Creole. But in a way, I would say that should maybe be a big part of it. A big part of our, uh, you know, uh, uh, being part of la Creophonie. Right, or Moon Creole, Moon, well, not Moon Creole, but Moon Creole, right? Moon Creole is like Creole world. Um, that is speaking the goddamn language. So it's kind of like, why is your focus on intersectionality when you should maybe be focusing on learning the language first? If you're gonna try to be a spokesperson, uh, or whatever for Creole this or that. And you don't even really know how to speak the language and you don't ever do it. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I would think so. But that's, that is my personal opinion. You could definitely disagree with that. And there will be individuals who say like, oh yeah, you could be Creole without knowing the language. That's totally fine. It's about the other parts of the culture. Sure. Sure. That's fine. Okay. Um, but I think some things like, for example, um, some ethnic groups are like what we call, and uh, you'll hear this in like the social sciences a lot, ethno-linguistic groups, okay? Ethno-linguistic groups. That means that they are, the ethnicity is really tied to the language, and the language is something that brings together the, uh, the, um, the people, Okay, like le, le, le monde francophone. Um, like when we talk about the francophone world and la francophonie, we are connected because we all speak French. That is like a big part, and that's why. Like I don't know why there are some people like Saudi Arabia. I think is like an is like affiliated with la francophonie um, or the nations um, that are like connected to the francophonie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, maybe there's a French population there that I don't know about. Totally possible. Not saying there's not, but it's like. Do you guys, like, even know, like, are you even going to understand, you know what I mean? Um, Or just, like, being Hispanic. I remember one time I got a bunch of crap because somebody was saying, like, oh, you shouldn't tell people that um, they're not Hispanic because they don't speak Spanish. And I'm like, well, obviously, I think you can be because, you know, Hispanic um, is not functioning as what we call, like, a pseudo race, uh, meaning it's not... um, 
it's not erased, but it almost functions as one from a social and societal um, perspective. But here's the thing. Hispanic really refers to Spanish language. People who are Latin, uh, who speak the um, Spanish language. So it's kind of like if you're sitting up here like crying about and screaming about how you're Hispanic all day long, every day, and you don't even speak Spanish, I'm going to look at you like you're kind of crazy because why don't you? And it's so many people speaking Spanish that it's like there's so many resources. You just don't care. And that's weird because if you're so like gung-ho about being hispanic like why do you not care to learn the language just like i say to a lot of the louisiana creoles i'm like you're so like you know pro creole but you don't even know the language and you're kind of part of the reason that the language is dying and but i would say that you know the immersion uh schools are you know contributing to what we call revitalization a lot of people you know they point to revitalization and they're like oh well this is how the language is not dying because it's revitalization there's an article out there um i don't know who wrote it it might be um dr vladman you got to double check me on that he specifically addressed that and he said in his uh his article that based on his findings the uh revitalization efforts have been going on since kind of the 80s and the language has continued to decline and decline at an alarming rate despite the uh, revitalization efforts. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to sit here and say the revitalization efforts are not working, but I'm going to say, you know, what is one plus one? And there you go. So that's what I'm going to say. And, I, and you know, somebody says like, oh, well, what should we do? Like, should we stop? No, I mean, definitely continue the revitalization efforts. But it's going for Louisiana Creole to not die. It's going to take a lot. Like, you have to get young people. And I don't mean a few um, lot that are interested in, in Creole, like, you know, like a, a couple of dozen. I mean, thousands thousands there are the population of louisiana right now is at over is at millions and millions and millions of people oh it's not that that many millions but it's multiple millions i can tell you that it's not like there's like not less than a million people there so that means that if you you can't expect to have revitalization working if only like 500 people are part of it or only a, a couple of thousand are part of it we need hundreds of thousands or even a million plus and then maybe if that many people are genuinely interested in learning the language and not just interested in learning the language because you can be interested in learning the language and actually learn it and those are two very very different things and just okay as someone who has studied linguistics i read you know those papers about language acquisition and i i really you know hate to say this but guess what it is very hard to learn a language once you become um, an adult and some parts of your brain are not, they're not open for shop anymore, if you get what I'm saying. Um, the best time to do it is before puberty, before puberty. Some people ask me, how do you speak French so well? Because I started learning it before puberty. There we go. Um, that's just that, right? Um, and, and so if you gotta get the young young kids interested in it and really interested in really speaking it okay and then there'll be a change you can't have somebody that's like 85 years old because guess what at 85 you don't even your, your neurons are like you know when we talk about like how that type of stuff works um go study some neuroscience and and or if, contact me if you want me to talk about um like you know synaptic 
um, you know, like formations and stuff like that and neuroplasticity and stuff like that is tough stuff. And I'm not saying you can't do it. You could sit up and learn a language at any age. I'm just talking about the relative difficulty when you are the older you get, the harder it will become to learn the language and more likely that it will not happen, unfortunately. So the younger you are, the better it is. Um, you know, that's why I'm very happy. Like some of the students I've been working with for years, um, I started working with them when they were very young. Um, and they, um, that helps, you know? Okay. What else did we have to talk about? I don't want this to go over an hour. Um, so the whole, um, it's very interesting that, um, you know, um, that, that sort of like, you know, these I would say instances are kind of like related um, and I definitely think um, you know um, the I don't like really talking about politics that's not my field um, but I think you know the reason why I was kicked out of both of those groups kind of relate to that realistic approach which is kind of I would say um, not really um, favored and actually not really liked at all in you know in in certain theories of thought like socialism and stuff like that where you know you know socialism kind of promotes like equal outcome like in an ideal world and that's why like you know um i've written about i you know in some courses and some things i have some writings on um we had to learn about and discuss kind of like why like um socialism didn't really work and stuff like that in the past for like china and stuff like that so i have a, a little bit of background there and you know that is kind of like you know equal outcome like every you want everyone to be the same you want everyone to be fair equal blah 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 it's ideal but unfortunately that's not unfortunate that's not how the world work largely works and and it's like that thing where i talked about like idealism it's good in theory but when you try to implement it everything crashes and burns just like um, you, in theory, uh, you want to say Louisiana Creole is doing so much better because of the revitalization efforts. You go out into the field and actually do some good quality research. Unfortunately, that's not the case. What do you want me to say about it? Um, and then number two, when we're talking about, um, the whole like intersectionality between like, you know, transgenderism and, and Creole culture. I mean, obviously if that's like, you know, you're a big, you're a big fan of like transgenderism, um, for some reason, um, you are going to want that to be, uh, kind of like, like have a seat in every sort of other space that you're in right um and that's ideal that ideally we you know transgender people would be like you know the forefront of creole culture i think they would like that a lot of these people but that's not the case um you know and if you really want to read about kind of like that um you know the idealism and stuff like that i definitely recommend um you know definitely um or um there's a book that really kind of um is a, it's um, actually by Candace Owens, which I know has a questionable reputation, but she uh, wrote about that in her chapter. Oh dear, what is it called? I oh it, excuses. Okay, excuses. Her chapter excuses of her book Blackout. I think that was a really nice chapter where she kind of. Um, I think it is a little bit. It's not super related, but it um, it 
it kind of like um has undertones of like this idealism you know where like oh like you know everything's gonna work out everything's gonna be great it's a very um kind of like that's just like how a lot of people approach um life which is totally fine but it's not realistic just like realistically you want there to be like no murder or no hunger but there still is and 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 why we have to say that in my opinion is because we could redirect our efforts if we actually don't try to ignore it you know what i mean it's almost like if you are in my generation you probably watch like you know the avatar the last airbender <laughs> oh my god i'm sorry like that it's so funny when like they had like that part on basing say where they were like there is no war and it's kind of like girl like be for real now like there's a whole war out here and it's like you think like oh we're gonna create this ideal community where there's no war there's no problems everything's nice good you know da, 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 da. but it's kind of like well maybe if you kind of told your people about the existence of the war they could kind of help to stop it maybe i don't know you know what i mean um just like if you were to be honest and a lot of these people who are really involved um you know in louisiana creole uh, whatevers, um, if they were to admit that the language is dying, they can devise plans based on that reality and and switch up their tactics. Because if you are operating and trying to do things to like for a language that is still around and you're trying to keep it around, that is different than if you're trying to focus your efforts on a language that is damn near dead and you're trying to literally kind of get it back up again. And that's important to realize um, for, you know, how you do things. Okay. Um, and what's interesting and last thing that uh, one last thing I was going to talk about is how I really just don't like um, how a lot of people who are. Um, in these like um, who uphold these idealistic values they like to um, dismiss people who are not in not holding the same beliefs of them which is weird and it's so funny because today I was watching I don't know if you guys know Abba and Preach um, they are actually the francophones de Montréal so they're from Montreal um, and the, uh, the, you know, they have a YouTube channel and one of their re recent, um, YouTube videos, um, the one that they, um, um, put out on, uh, the 27th of June. Okay. Um, this year, right. 2023, um, they talked about kind of like this individual who wanted to identify as a cat. It was a student, I think. And then this other student was like, wait, that's weird. Like you need to like, if you legitimately think you're a cat, you need to go get help. That's not normal. And the teacher kind of spazzed on that student saying like, oh, you're a bigot. You're, you're, you know, close minded. Why would you suggest that that person uh, needs psychiatric evaluation? Um, and eventually she ended it with saying like, oh, if you're not going to accept that some people are going to identify as other genders or other species you need to get out you need to get the 
out. And, you know, I think that that really resonated with me because I'm like, wow, this makes so much sense now. And the thing is, Alvin uh, and Preach mentioned the whole DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Um, and how diversity refers to diversity of like ethnicity, but not diversity of thought. And I think that's so true because the thing is, a lot of people who are always saying like oh they're against bigots are very they they are huge proponents of bigotry the minute there's someone who disagrees with them in any sort of shape or fashion guess what they're doing they're trying to get rid of them they're trying to dismiss them like for example when i said that louisiana creole was dying i had it was only a matter of time that i got my kicked out of the group and it was like wait a minute so instead of like hearing me out and mind you, I'm not any like Billy Bob from down the street. I'm someone who um, is educated, first of all. I didn't go to school and study Creole, um, you know, stuff for all those years in, a, in one of the top institutions in the nation, you know, to sit around and, and act and be like, you know, comme traite de n'importe quel bob de la rue, you know? Um, and I literally worked, I literally worked an internship where I was researching Creole. So it's not only I have experience in, in higher education in Creole, but I also have experience working a job getting where people paid me quite a bit of money to research Creole. And obviously that means that I kind of know what I'm talking about. I don't know everything. That's why I said, like, if you want to know and go to the best, go to some of these people that I'm referencing, like Dr. Kalinga, Dr. Vladman. Um, Dr. Smith, Dr. Newman. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, you know, those are going to be the real top dogs because they're uh, a doctor in this type of stuff. Okay. And they are far, far more knowledgeable than I am. But, you know, I still know a little bit. And, and I, I think it was very disrespectful to be just jutted out um, because guess what? That's how, but that's how bigotry works. When you have an opinion that differs from theirs, they have to get rid of you because they don't, they don't tolerate that. They want everybody to ascribe to idealism. Um, and, you know, in the case of the next situation, leftism, unfortunately, where, um, when they found out that I, um, did not support, um, you know, the mutilation of, uh, of the genitals of children, which, you know, you said to anybody like 20, 40 years ago, you would say like, well, who in their right mind would do that? Nowadays, that's apparently the norm, okay? And so when they found that I had that belief, even though that has nothing whatsoever to do with Creole, they, I was demanded to be removed from panels. I was subsequently kicked out of that group as well, which is weird because... These are the people, you know, who are like, oh, you have to include everyone. Oh, you, you, this is that. And I'm like, okay, so you mean include everyone who shares your belief, but doesn't share your belief. Because the thing is with me is I don't, I don't play like that. Okay. I don't do that. That's not what I do. So, um, what I'm seeing is that essentially, um, how I operate is that maybe, uh, if we're in a professional group or a professional setting, I don't like your beliefs. I don't really agree with some things you do. I don't care because that's your personal business, but I'm still going to keep it cute and cordial when we are together and still going to get on with my life. Does that make sense? I've done group projects with people, with people that I hate and I like 
cannot stand even speaking to. But I still spoke to them and got it, you know, got the stuff done because we had to do the project. That is part of being an adult. That's part of being a professional. That is part of being someone who is actually open-minded. Someone that actually, I don't know, um, yeah, vodakwa. So that is just kind of like what I wanted to share. And, I, you know, I always encourage, you know, even my students and, you know, the people who listen to me on my podcast. I'm like, don't be one of those weirdos. Don't be one of those people um, who are, you know, so like ascribed and deep in their bubble of like, I don't know what you want to call it, the wokeism or whatever that they are simply intolerant of anybody that is not marching one, two, three, four, five, right behind them, no matter how goddamn silly it is. And they're convincing themselves that their actions are justifiable and logical. Like, they convince themselves that someone's view on transgenderism uh, is directly I don't know, correlated to whether or not they merit a space to discuss Creole culture. Because somehow someone's view on transgenderism determines how much they know about Creole history, Creole linguistics, Creole genealogy, genealogy as a whole, whatever. And the main people are not even genealogists, which is insane to me. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just kind of how that's just how it works. Some people just they they're so you know that's why I say you don't want to get too involved with the politics and whatnot, even the social politics, because you get you do get kind of in a bubble where you're not able to see beyond that. I don't care if you believe you're a cat, a dog, a woman, or both. If you are a scholar in Creole, I'm gonna recommend people to you. I don't care if you're uh, an a hole. Or if you're, you know, maybe not on the best terms with me, I'm going to recommend you. I recommend, I just literally recommended. Somebody was like, where can I go to learn a, like Louisiana Creole? And I was like, look, I can help you out a little bit, but I'm not the best person to go to, quite frankly. And I gave them the name of someone that I don't like. And I, uh, the, someone who uh, probably kicked me out of a group or whatever. Who knows? But I did that because I know despite the personal beliefs of that individual on a professional level when we're discussing what they know about Creole how well they know the language and and stuff like that they know their stuff and they're really really good at it and I'm not I have no authority no right whatsoever to take that away from them no matter how much I dislike them just like that I physically will not let anybody take anything away from me and my knowledge and try because that's what a lot of people do. I've even seen people who were mad about the transgender say things say like, "Oh yeah, by the way, also you've been wrong about some of the stuff you said about Louisiana Creole." What? Aka atan, aka atan, aka atan. J'attends, 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 j'attends. Je vous attends. Donnez-moi des exemples. I'm like waiting for examples, and every time one of these people from the community is like oh you were wrong about something there's never any examples and you know why because i I know my crap 
like I said, I went to school and did stuff in this general area, bro. I know what I'm talking about. And I researched, like, you see all the stuff that I've been talking about for an hour? I have over one page of notes that I did. I sat down and researched this stuff. I consulted literature, multiple, um, you know, documents and uh, articles and whatever before I wrote this. I looked up definitions, all of that, because that's what a good researcher does. So one thing, like I said, one thing you're not going to take away from me is that I know what I'm doing no matter how much you don't like me or whatever and i encourage all of my listeners i'm, I'm very grateful for to you all and i encourage you all to continue to um, listen to my content comment on the content ask me some questions if you do feel like there is a discrepancy or an inaccuracy of any sort i am very open to that um and we could talk i talk to people who listen to my podcast all the time um and that I appreciate you all. So I'm, we're going to end it here. We didn't quite get under the hour mark, but you know, like I said, it was going to be pretty uh, long, um, you know, episode. What up? Bye.